Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. Grenville Dietrich. Look, people have heard some of Grenville's stories and that, but Grenville walking out of a pub one night, no taxis, walked down the pizza bar down the road. You do home deliveries, yes, sir. Stood in the corner, kept asking the fourth person. He said his address, and the youngster, yeah, yeah, well, I'm with you from a lift home. So he, he got the got the pizza cheaper than the cheaper than the taxi rides. So. Oh, that's an absolute beauty. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete Matthews. I'm your one of your hosts today. And Malcolm, the uh, Grenfell Dietrich story from our first episode was an absolute beauty. He's a character. He's uh, he's eccentric, but he's uh, he's a genius as well. In terms of he's one of those guys too in quiz nights where you know, knows the currency in Siberia and weird stuff like that. He's he's a fascinating man, the old Grenville. Value for money for sure. Around the grounds. And on today's episode, we're going to have a little bit of a look at the silly season. The draft period has, has concluded for, for the season. A bit of 2020 warm-up games. We have a special guest for, with us today, Rodney Maynard, to talk about a little bit about his career, but mainly what's going on up in the Mallee League. But we start off today, Malcolm, with the Sheffield Shield opener. Yeah. First off, let's go through the South Australian game where we played Victoria. Had a good start and then Victoria stabilised. Marcus Harris batted very well. Sutherland played an excellent. He's played very straight. I don't think we bowled too well to him. I thought we lacked a bit of patience. Uh, I was there, I admit that. And Victoria got away and then we were probably really chasing the game from then on. And Victoria had us under the pump on the Saturday and we kept being there thinking, this is hilarious that he hasn't declared yet. And, you know, he eventually declared setting us 425. Like yep. South Australia then, led by Henry Hunt, that he ended up batting all day. 97 not out. When they couldn't bowl us out in that last over, he's on strike and the game's, the game's called off. I admit I found that weird. I don't get that. Yep. But supported, you know, the end Wes Agar, batted well till he ran himself out. Mm-hmm. Cardinal Children's error, he hit it well in the middle and ran. And then Clark, I think, uh, Kurt, Daniel Grant batted through 60-odd balls without scoring. But yep. it was reminiscent of the Shield final win, but I admit certainly nowhere near as nervous watching. Sure. But yes. I mean, South Australia, you know, 10 wickets in hand on the last day, 388 runs. There, there was a, a little bit of a, a feeling that they might have a little go at it. But, you know, in reality, it's not quite what they should be doing at this stage. I mean, consolidating for the, for no, the draw. We, 
if you know we were none for seventy eight, if Weatherall had kept going, yep. it was game on. Yep. Unfortunately, once he got out, Travis played a pretty average shot, and that was we were certainly never going to win from there. Yeah. So it was really a matter of trying to draw the game. The other two games, Queensland annihilated WA. Labashane and Jimmy Pearson made hundreds, and then uh, Sandu went through them and got man of the match. And New South Wales got annihilated in WA as well. And you know, they played a one-day game, were all out for 76, and then low scores, you know, 150-odd in both innings in WA. So New South Wales is certainly uh, haven't started the season too well either. So... Yeah, two pretty easy wins in the first round. And yep. At least we drew, and yeah, let's be honest, South Australia drawing a game is almost a celebration. Yep. I admit I wasn't happy with the team South Australia picked. Mm-hmm. I could not work out that David Drew didn't play. Drew Average 62 last year, 100 in his last game and wasn't picked. I found that amusing, to yep. say the least. And South Australia, we picked four right on medium paces. You know, I would have played Spencer Johnson, the left-hander, with pace, just for variety, it was very much the same old, same old watching. Yep. yep. And I understood why we went with the four quicks because I think they thought there was going to still be more rain around during the game than what there was. Yep. Ironically, it was more when Kerry and Head were in the in in the first innings and it rained a little bit and quick in the sure. pitch up. So we're a little bit unlucky there, but yeah, I just don't think it was the best side we could have picked. I mean, Karen Rolt Noble, they've done the stats on it. That's why they did go with the, the four yeah. quicks. I, I agree. I, I think I heard Dizzy talk about that on radio, and, and yeah. I can understand his reasoning for that. But, you know, is it a case of too few doing too much once again? Yes. You know, it was just we had him six for 100, and then I just thought we just got too impatient trying to, you know, just didn't keep enough pressure on. You yeah. know, young Grant's attributes bowl dot balls and bowl pressure from there. And I just thought we kept trying to bowl wicket-taking balls every ball. It just got, you know, dots, didn't build pressure. So, yeah, yep. it was a bit disappointing. Yeah. yeah, let's go. The draft period, mate. Full breakdown, winners and losers. Yeah, look, huge week. I mean, we, we sort of talked about this last week in, in our episode that, you know, the deals were going to get done, but it was a matter of when, where, how. You know, for me, the winners and losers, Port Adelaide, you you pretty much we're going to give them a bit of a tick for pulling off a four or five way trade. But how does that work for, you know, those clubs moving forward? I mean, we're not going to know the extent of those trades uh, for a couple of years yet. Yeah. And it is, it's also a little bit of Russian roulette. Like we, we say trade winners and losers, but who's to say a player at a different club wouldn't have been an absolute superstar at a different club with different development coaches and all that. So it is a little bit of guesswork. And look, it's also got so complicated with the trades, the points basis on on yep. individual choices. So people trying to build enough, enough enough points like Brisbane for their father-son selections, yep. build up selections for next year. So look, it's got that complicated. I'm not sure that even all the clubs understand it, let alone all the, everyone else. And, and obviously, you know, the, the point system only came in a few years ago yeah. to try and work it out. And you do need to be a Philadelphia lawyer to, oh. to understand it. And, and we're going to find out over the next two or three years whether that was the right trade to make or not. I mean, yes, Port got the trade done for Jason Horn Francis and, and really North on the surface maybe the loser out of this trade. Yeah, I feel that way. I, I think he'll be fantastic. Look, I'm just a bit bemused at all the criticism he's copying. We all change jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, he did some things last year which weren't great, but he is a kid and, yeah, he was offered a different job back home. Guess what? He's done what 99% of us would have done. Yeah, absolutely. I wrote down just before the Horn Francis trade went through, at the time it looked like Port were going to have to trade a player to get him in the door. Do you think that may have destabilised the club? I mean, they've done a great job by not trading a player, but do you think if that had happened it may have just stabled them a little bit? Look, it certainly can. I think it certainly did years ago. I think the players now are probably more adapted to the system and they mm-hmm. know that you know, like Ryan Burton overseas, Virtually, from, you know, it's done from over there. Bang, you're a Port player, not a Hawthorne player anymore. Yeah. And the players move on now, sure. I think, a bit more compared to the past. So it is a different in that way. But, look, yeah, they are. I'm not I'm not fans of anyone being horse flesh, and yep. effectively they are. Yeah, And traded for Horn Francis with the basis that, 
you know, they're going to build a midfield around him for the future. Oh, look, I think Horn Francis combined with Rosie Dersma is your pace, your breakaway, your brilliance. Bloke's still going strong. Wines yep. is your and wines are your ball getters. So I, I think the mix is fantastic. Yep. And, you know. and they've got that real here and now side. You know, you look across the road at Adelaide, it's very much a rebuild and they've been going through that for a few years. You know, that is the, the here and now, but they've got that top-end talent. They've got that young sort of group coming through as well. So they're, they're pretty well placed. I think so. Look, I'd probably be a bit worried about Ruck. Lysett with his injuries last year. They certainly didn't back Hayes in. They, obviously, they're not convinced for him with his fitness. Mm-hmm. Another preseason, whether that helps. Yep. Finlayson did okay. So look, I on I think there. I think that puts them back in the possibilities yep. and the competitors for the flag again. We wait and see. Absolutely. And then across the road, you've, you know, the Crows were pretty open in saying that Rankin was their target, and and that was it. They they went hammer and tong for him. Look. And again, a few people questioning that. Look, the money, yes, have they overpaid him? Paid him what we're being quoted? Who knows if that's hundred percent correct? Yep. Yes, they, he probably has. But you know what? If he comes out and he's playing well. The players couldn't care less. Absolutely. If he starts to struggle, then it's maybe a different matter. But at the moment, the players are just happy to get a class player back in. They Absolutely. know they know yep. they need some more class. And and he's a little bit of a wait and see early on in the season. Right. I mean, he's got to adapt to obviously what the Crows are doing. Burjo, obviously with the with the training standards, it's going to take him a little while to just yeah. understand that a little bit. Not so sure. I think he's more a see ball, get ball, yep. brilliance. You know, there's bets. There, you know, in terms of similarities, there. Look, this kid's special. Yeah, with his ability. Yeah, you know, I remember back to his 18s year and hearing some people who don't go over the top about players. Yep. You know, being around the traps, and that was the year with Luke Valenti, so I probably followed it a lot more closely. Yep. Um, they were salivating, and if I could have a dollar for every you know thing I heard about Rankin back then, yep. well, You'd be mate, a millionaire. You and I can be overdoing this in France Riviera, mate, at the moment. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Yeah. Obviously, the the Crows, you know, they did make a couple of other interesting trades, but I did see online from Kautumi. I think from AFL Trade Radio, he, he did sort of break down the, the rank and trade and he sort of likened it that the picks that they had used was, you know, basically last year for Dawson, this year for Rankin, which would have got them Horn Francis in and the Rochelle. end. So, and Rochelle, that's correct. So I think in the end, it, you know, as much as it was one-dimensional from the Crows, I think they sort of got their man and they got it right. Yeah, I, yeah. Look, it's I think this kid's special. Yep. I really do. Look, I, at that prelim final being there as a neutral and watching Glenelg glimpsing where he was and kicking the ball in the other direction, I don't think I've seen that done for you know too many other kids over the over years. That was a, you know, like Buckley when Buckley dominated the year he won the McGarry and things like that. So yeah, I I'm a huge. I admit I'm a huge Horn Francis fan. Sure. And the other trade or trades that sort of surprised me a little bit. I meant there was quite a few, obviously, and some big names to move. But Luke Jackson from Melbourne uh, over to Frio. Yeah, look, he is from WA originally, so it's not a huge surprise. Look, he's been offered big money and yep. and all that. A few, you know, ones which surprised one which surprised me was Shacky. Now he started off at Brisbane, then Western Bulldogs. He's his third club now, and he's still very much got a huge question mark against him. Yep. He's got another couple of years in the system. Look, I hope the kid makes it because his dad was an absolute ripper, yep. the late Lawrence Shacky. And yeah, tragic we lost him, and so I really hope the kid makes it. But yeah, I just I found that one probably my most bemusing one. Yep, fantastic. Obviously, the draft period was was quite big, and and we're obviously taping this episode literally just after the trade period's finished. So we might just sort of touch base with this one a little bit over the preseason and see you know which which players that have traded, who who've stepped up, and who might be struggling oh, look, a little it, bit. The trade period goes longer than you know five years of days of our lives, seemingly. Um, it's marketing by the AFL to make sure that they're front and centre on the paper 366 days of the year. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll just go off to a quick break, Malcolm, and uh, we're going to come back and we'll have a little bit of a, a chat about the 2020 warm-up. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate and subscribe. Welcome back 
to the Game On Podcast. Malcolm, the 2020 World Cup warm-up games have commenced. Yeah, England, a couple of close ones against Australia. Take them with a bit of a grain of salt that you know they're not playing their full sides. You know, I admit as an Australian, I'm you know, Aaron Finch has seemingly won a you know, he's seemingly Charlie from the chocolate factory and they're still letting him play. He's got I, the golden ticket, yes. You know, I, that's got me a bit amused and look, I admit I'm yeah, whatever, twenty twenty personally. Yep. I'm a Test Cricket Shield fan. Sure. You know. The twenty twenty warm up, I mean, yeah, it's good to get some good hit outs. I mean it gets Players like Warner and, and everyone gets everyone excited. I don't know for me personally, just not following it as as closely as you as you would. Obviously, it's only a warm up. Obviously, when we get into the real stuff, you do keep a bit more of an eye on it. Who's who's the one that you're hoping that'll stand out? Who who's the one that will take the the ball between the horns? We're talking sidewise or yeah. player-wise? Player-wise, I reckon. Yeah, you know, I'd like to see Maxwell come off, but oh look, I admit I'm. I'm a. Yep. I've got to be blatantly honest. Yeah, you know, I, I probably where, where it really hit me as a South Australian nut when we won, when the strikers won, sitting with Robbo, the great legendary North team manager, with Mark Robinson at the final, and we won, and it was, oh yeah, see you, Robbo, see you during the week. Whereas South Australia win the Shield, no. I'm not home for a fortnight. Yeah, you know, it just yeah, it was just ho hum. Fair enough. And yeah. That's personally. Yep, not a problem. And and obviously, you know, it's coming up soon, so we'll, we'll cover yeah. that a little bit more in depth yep. and just wanted to touch base with it right right now. Now, have you seen the dust-up between the basketballers in the USA and the NBA? I did, and um, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole had a little bit of a dust-up at practice, which sort of went viral pretty quickly. There were some thoughts, obviously, that, you know, this shouldn't have been released. It was a, a team practice, but it, it happened, and... and Green's, you know, quite yappy at the best of times. So, you know, these things happen and, and it sort of got me thinking and doing a little bit of research, obviously, on a couple of other little punch-ups at training that has happened. And the biggest one that I came across was probably O'Halpin and Cloak at Carlton where he went nine rounds with him and, and took him out. Yeah, that was that was a bit bizarre, that one. Look, things do happen. Look, I've got to be honest, the biggest one I know of in South Australia was between the late Jim Teal and John Winnett Nord training. Yep. Winnie was always the absolute master of the subtle wording and sledging and uh, the late great one didn't like it one night and Barmy sent him inside to sort it out. and It got sorted say, out. It got sorted out. Yeah. Might have taken the cleaners about a month to get rid of uh, the clean the change rooms up. Oh, fair enough. You know, there's been a few, obviously, uh, you know, Matt, during matches, you know, the, there's the yap going on. But, yeah, yeah, your own teammates at practice, it's an interesting dynamic that, that happens. And, you know, from the Crows' point of view, you know, you had uh, Walker and Yench had a little uh, dust-up early in, in Walker's career. Um, Hardikin and Frampton had a little bit of uh, a to-do, um, you know, in the goal square there. And, obviously, across the road there, uh, Jackson Trengrove and Jay Schultz had a, a little coming together. And, I don't know, does it does it build that team confidence you know that that they're there for you know all the right reasons and and they're, they're trying to get the best out of each other or can it can it do more damage than good i reckon players get on with it i yeah. think yeah whatever will be move sure. on um probably a bit more than what we do as supporters in nearly everything yeah so yeah I'm, it's probably not great you don't want it to happen but i reckon some of the coaches they love it in terms it. that they've yeah. proved, proved that the players care so yeah, yeah. Uh, watch and see on that one, and hopefully this preseason we don't get too many cold nuggets that <laughs> come out of any training sessions. Yes. All right, Malcolm, we're going to take another quick break, mate, and uh, when we come back, we're going to have a, a good chat with Rodney Maynard, Nord legend, and obviously part of the Adelaide Crows uh, first squad in 1991, yes. and we'll we'll catch up with him. And really, most importantly, and we, we did touch on this back in our first episode, that we wanted to talk about the Mallee League and, and what's yeah. going on up there. He's uh, you know, got the keys to the city up there, so if there was anyone that we needed to find out what might be happening and, and what's going on and where to go from here, he's our man. So uh, we'll come back after the break and, and we'll have a bit of a chat with him. Definitely. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Yeah. 
five good minutes in the clubhouse. And welcome back to the Game On podcast. Our special guest today is Rodney Maynard. G'day, how are you? Welcome, Rocket. Thanks, Malcolm. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. So let's let's go back to uh, originally. So you moved down to Adelaide to board at Prince Alfred, and when you first started at Nord, mate. Yes, I did. I, I played in the Prince Alfred first eighteen, and um, and then followed into the under seventeens in the same year. We played about oh, five five games pre pre. Um, um, PAC, you know, first 18 stuff, and then we went back and played finals. And I was lucky enough to play under Ian Stafford in those days, and we finished fifth in the um, finals and ended up winning the flag in 1983. Yes, and I so Sir Maynard was a very important part of that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, um, I had a terrific final series. I had a really good end of the season, and in the last, and and a really good final series, and. And that really negotiated my movement in the next twelve months. And and obviously, nineteen eighty four, you uh, debuted uh, against Glenelg. Yes, I did. Yeah, as a seventeen year old. As a seventeen year old, yeah. People don't realise I was as young as that when I started. But people say, you know, the Macintoshes and all that went from seventeen straight into league footy. Well, I was one of those too. But because I, I don't think I continued on with league footy, I I stepped back. Well, I struggled then for a, probably. I don't know, 18 months, I suppose you would say. And then until I got myself really going again in about 87, I started to really, you know, stamp my authority on league footy. But I kind of was in and out. Well, I played up until the, I think it was the 16th or 17th round of the 1984 and yep. moving into finals. But I kind of, I was just struggling for a bit of form late there and got dropped and David Payne took my half-forward flank and I couldn't win it back. We played in the reserves grand final, and as you know, the league went on and won for a fifth spot too. So, yeah, well, yeah. Payne certainly had his influence uh, then, and you know, Glenn Vardaniga was the other one who came in late, and it was probably out of you and Glenn then, you know. Uh, so you're yep. probably a bit unlucky, and then of course you played in the uh, superstar reserve sides in '85 and '86, where yeah, yep, and played in a couple of premierships there, but yeah, reluctantly didn't work hard enough, and I, I, it's a couple of years I regret and I mean everyone has regrets in their footy career and that was two years I felt like I'd wasted you know I'd, I'd, I'd stayed you know got got to the level where I wanted to and I I couldn't sustain it I don't know whether it was just because I was young and a bit yeah a bit <laughs> and then the uh, the light bulb meeting virtually with Wally yeah yeah that was pretty important I think for me I was I was nearly ready to come home to be honest with you and Wally said well have you really Given it a fair go, and I was there going, oh, what do you mean? And he goes, well, I don't, realistically, I, you know, I, I think you started well, but you've dropped off, you know, where's your, you know? And he said, well, why don't you get fitter and have a real, you know, real go at it, a real crack at it? And I kind of looked at him and said, well, oh, I kind of thought, well, I went home with my tail between my legs and thought, well, Wally Miller wouldn't say that to you if he didn't mean it. So he said it with authority and said, well, I want you to have another go and a proper go, so... I came home and got myself super fit. And, yes, and that's an understatement. And I, and I also told him I wanted a, a change. I've always, I, I played forward all my life. Since I was about eight years old, I played forward. And I said to him, I probably need, I need a change. And I was about 20, I think. And he goes, well, why don't we play at half-back, centre-half-back or full-back? And I ended up, Tommy Warhurst did his hamstring early that season. And I ended up playing full-back with Breton at centre-half-back Yeah. In a, so and things spiraled from there. So it was it was a good change and and I it was something I needed and I got myself fit and I I seemed to be able to read the game pretty well from back there and snuck down and kick a couple of goals too, which was always um, yeah pleasurable. So yeah, that that's a great story. I mean, a lot of people obviously know you from uh, you know playing down back and and to, to know that yeah. you started up forward is fantastic. That's yeah. uh, that's a great little story, mate. Thank you. It's a bit, ir- yeah, no. bit ironic there too, Rocket, that that was probably Brenton's best year as well. And you just wonder if Brenton had stayed and played centre-half back, how his career would have panned out as well. Oh, I agree totally. Well, he was in super form and I went to fullback and took Tommy's place. And unfortunately, Brenton broke his collarbone. Yeah, that's right. And 
I kind of, Tommy was fit to come back, so I got the promotion to centre-half back if Tommy went to full-back. And, and then Brenton came back in as a, as a ruckman then because Hall and Hine, as you know, Hine moved yep. on. And Paul was always, you know, he was a bit of an in, injury regular, I call it. And um, so Brenton was rucking against guys like, you know, like Richard Lowner and <laughs> and Mick Redden and all those kind of guys. And was doing a fair job, I thought, too, you know. So, yeah, he just started to get, but he had a few, he had a few injuries that just at the wrong times, which didn't help his career, I thought. He was unlucky in a lot of ways. And and for seven seasons, mate, uh, yourself and your brother drove down to to Adelaide uh, each, yeah. each week. Yeah, we did. Uh, it was a Thursday. Well, Bretton didn't do the first five years. He only did eighty eight and eighty nine, and then he came home about halfway through that year. I did the first five on my own because I was coming. He was living in Adelaide and had a job in Adelaide. He kind of left the farm and um, had a job in town and gave it a fair crack. And I I was still doing the. Um, he had a 200k join on a Thursday night, and I, I'd come home and then again go back Saturdays. But then, ironically, I got involved with the Wixers, like Tim and Simon. Or, well, Tim played a bit of under 17 football, yep. and I played school footy at PAC with Tim. And and he, um, I, st- I used to stay down there when we weren't busy and um, work for them on a Friday and then play and come home. So that I did that not every week, but when we were busy, but I did that sometimes, and that I appreciated the stop over too instead of doing it Thursday night and then back again yeah. Friday night or Saturday morning and then play and then go again type thing so yeah what but we t- did it seven years I did it for yeah I, I tell you if the Crows didn't come along I was just about ready to yeah I, I was all driven out just about sure. so yeah. what uh, what type of mental um, uh, attitude did you need to take to that because that's you know that's a fair time sitting in the car back and forth uh, for seven years yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know the, I know the road pretty well now. Yeah. <laughs> and, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just because it's something you want to do and want to achieve. And I didn't want to leave Lamaroo. I loved it home as well. And I love I love farming. I love country life. So it was. I had the best of both worlds. That's how I. That's how I should put it. So yeah. So I didn't mind hopping in the car. Mum had come with me when I'd sit on the tractors all night, and Mum had hop in with me a couple of times and. And um, give me a bit of a break, or just talk to me, and I'd, I'd drive, and she'd give me a bit of a, yeah, keep me keep me going. So I'm not, when I was really tired after tractor driving all day and that, so, but it was great. I I look back and it was something that you, were, yeah, you achieved with, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't it wasn't that bad. I didn't, and I didn't come across any accidents, which was great. So, uh, your dedication, you know, with Mick Redden and Rick Davies and all that was pretty incredible, and it's, I think it also showed where South Australian footy was at at that time as well. Now let's go to the Crows Rocket. Yep. And let's go to the fir- the trial game, the famous trial game against yep. Essendon. Let's not go so much to your playing, but a, a certain person in the crowd and uh, her attitude that night. I'm a wife. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I got injured, I was, I was going to, yeah, I think I would have died. Yeah, I think she thought I was going to get an elbow in about the, yeah. Uh, Oh, I just—I think an elbow just missed me. And um, there's one thing about that game which will never ever be broken: was the crowd for a trial game. Oh, uh, that my hair on the back of my neck. I mean, you know, fourth on game was pretty big, but that the first initial game to play Essendon in the in Adelaide with the crowd. On you know, we'd played a few trial games at Bunbury and, and yep. Kalgoorlie through the early part. But there was nothing like running out on that football park. That first night against Essen, and and I mean, I and I was getting married the next day. I mean, how I was just in awe, and the crowd, like you said, I've never seen a crowd standing on the standing on the rafters. There was, it would have been, you know, they say fifty thousand. I reckon there would have been sixty there. It was just I unbelievable. Mean, at, and when I ran out, the roar. I mean, we looked at each other and went, "Wow, this is what we've been training hard for for the last four or five months." You know, since October to get to this stage, and be a part of this. I mean, that was just incredible. And playing against guys like James Heard and, you know, Peter Somerville and, and you know, and, and um, Alessio and, and and Salmon and, you know, all those guys. It was just, it was a first initial night. And, I mean, we, yeah, it was great. And I got through. And luckily, I sure thought I was going to get whipped. An elbow just missed me or something about with about three minutes to go. And she thought, oh, God. But but I got to the wedding too. So that was, uh, that, that was okay. And 
football had made it start. So I didn't get a honeymoon, though. Graham told me I wasn't allowed to go away because the <laughs> season was about to start. But there was a lot of guys in my situation because we didn't know the Crows was going to eventuate. And guys had booked in their weddings and, and so forth earlier in the year, 12 months prior, you see, and thinking yeah, they were going to be at Nord or, and all that. And then, bang, the Crows was was there. And, I mean, where yeah, was, it wasn't just me. There was a few guys getting married and, and all that through that period. But we had to put a delay on our honeymoons and go at the end of the season. We went away for a couple of days, and that was about it, I think. And we were back training and playing, getting ourselves ready for the first game. So That's great. Uh, just going back to pre-season there, you know, obviously the famous um... – uh, thing to happen out of that preseason was the firewalking. Uh, were, were you were you wanting to be involved with that? Considering you know you you run and run and run and you'd have been protecting your feet, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, what an outrage that was. I mean, it was N- Nigel Smart's. Um, he it was his um, it was his idea. So Graham thought it was a great. I mean, we were hearing stories about you know in the papers and on the TV. This firewalking was a new. You know what Escalade or whatever it was, you know, in the in the community and everywhere it was happening, and people were trying it and all that. And Nigel thought it would be a good camaraderie builder for the for the boys. So we went through such a rigmar- such an organised session. You know, it started about one o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, you know, watching the actual fire burn down, and then going back to the you know to your rooms, and and then going through a process to get yourself keyed up for it. You know, like as in, holding each other's arm and walking, what you're going to say when you walk through there to keep your mind off the, the coals and all that. And, and then you go back and have a look at the fight. It was about a, it was a six to seven hour process. And I mean, and then it was all there. The coals were there and we've gone up there as a group. And of course, Nigel, he was, a, he, he, you know, instigated all the fire walking. So he, he was going to go first. So he went, so he went, and I was, I reckon I was about, I reckon Rowie was in front of me. He was about fifth and I was about, sixth or seventh I think and we thought we'll get I think our idea was let's get it over early so we can get out you know get it done and get out we don't want to be 50 second bloke you know to walk across there we might have been better being later I don't know but <laughs> but we thought get it done get it in early go like yep so I, know, I, just... I know Ta- <laughs> I know Sean Tasker was he was nice and worried because I think he was up next so Tas- yeah, I reckon was, Tas was yeah, pretty happy when it got called off oh well I think we all were once we saw Nigel's feet well, when Nigel walked across I mean, he got there, which was surprising. He got over there, and um, and then he just said his feet were burning, and, and then they had a look, and, well, Graham and Bob Hammond and all that were there, and the doctors and said, well, we're going to put a stop to this. So that was the end of that. And then, But that guy, to his credit, he walked over and back and had no – sorry, he must have been well-trained or he had hard feet or he'd yep. – <laughs> He was certainly he had the psychology, you know, psychological effect on him to to do it. But he um, he he got across there and without a worry, and he showed us his feet and went. We just went, wow. I mean, it can be done, but it must take a little bit of training and, like I said, a bit of hard a bit of harder feet than we had, I think. So, but no, we didn't. Nigel was the only one, and that was the end of that. So, yep. <laughs> and then next week, the round one, um, you know, famous yep. night, absolutely. And a certain oh, uh, Maynard in the uh, list of leading goal kickers after <laughs> round one uh, with three yeah, goals from a back pocket. Yeah, no, nah, it was just an unbelievable. Everything fell and bounced to whatever could happen our way. It went our way. I mean, decisions, umpires, I mean, the ball, everything, missed kicks, they fall in your arms. It was just one of those nights that you just, yeah, you take it. Because, I mean, Hawthorne had won the um, night grand final, I reckon. Yep. Yep, and plus we beat them by thirteen, but they went on to win the premiership that year too. Mm. I reckon. Yep, certainly did. And uh, but yeah, it was just one of those unbelievable. We just played above us, and that was another huge night for the footy club playing the first home game at Footy Park and having the crowd. And yeah, I mean, because we had all Adelaide behind us. I mean, there was no Port Power in those days, as you know, and the whole, you know, nearly the whole Adelaide was behind us. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic win. As I said, you know, winning, beating Hawthorne 23 to 9 or whatever it was. And, yeah, we're, like I said, I just fell into a few vacant areas in the forward line and the ball would land on your chest or bounce in your direction and you got lucky. And, yeah, no, it was just one of those fantastic nights. So I said there wasn't – I don't think anyone played bad that night. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was certainly the hottest ticket in town, that's for sure. Sorry? It was certainly the hottest ticket in town for sure. Oh, absolutely. No, it was unbelievable. But to if you went if you go back a step if you go back a step then, I mean the week after I think we played 
Carlton. Was it? And we got thumped, didn't we? Oh, we lost by about six in the end. That was. I've always felt sorry for Tommy Warhurst out of that because you know he was just honest where he said, "Oh, you know, he'd had jewels against Kernahan and you know, yeah, sticks had be- beaten him a few times." And yeah. I think Curls in particular was the one who took exception to that, and it was incredible. Yeah. That was virtually the end of Tommy's career at Adelaide. It was bizarre, really. Yeah, yeah it was. I I stood um, Spalding, I think. I had Spalding that night, uh, yeah, or that day, and he had Coonahan, I think. So yeah. Yeah, I didn't think Tommy had a bad day, to be yeah. honest with you. I thought it was ridiculous. And 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 which uh, which goal out of that first game was uh, was your favourite personally? Uh, well, I, probably the crumbing one. I just came forward in through the half or flank, and, and the ball just fell from the crumb, I think. And I just scooped it up, and I think I drove it about fifty, I think, and and went went through the middle. And the second one, bad. I just I timed it. I read the read it just right, Eddie. Just was going to wheel around on his right, and he came back. The bloke just stopped him, and he came back, and I was coming inside, and I got a handle on the left-hand side inside and, and popped that one through. And then the last one was Darren Smith, who just popped it over. I just kind of dribbled into the forward line, and no one ever followed me in, and I just stood there for about, felt like half an hour there on my own, and he just popped it over to me, and I dribbled that one through. But probably the crumbing one, the first one, you know, being the first one to in AFL, um, and I just, yeah, it was just one of those lucky, and I just screened through and broke the pack and and thumped it through. It was a, yeah, that was probably my favourite one. Interesting that first year, you probably played the plus one role a bit. You were ahead of your time, and I think King o, King o Taylor may well have driven driven that idea. And yeah. yeah, if anyone suited to that role, it was you with your running ability. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I. I did it. I loved it. He just, they thought I could just, I was read. I mean, I could read the game well and when to go and not to go. And, you know, and, and I feel like I had that, a bit of a gift that way. So, and I could feel like I knew when I, I was going to, feel like I knew when I could get the footy or, or get it to, you know, come back inside or I get to the stage where, you know, you could read it properly and that, you know, you knew where you were going to be when the, where the ball fell or come back inside, you could dribble forward at the right time. So, I enjoyed that role. I did. I, I took a few chances, but uh, well, I mean, it was just a yeah. I love I love to play, put defence into attack. You know, quickly. That's what my aim was. Yep. You were certainly ahead of time. Uh, you know, that's that's the stock standard these days. That rebound off of half back oh, for sure. It is. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Well, I certainly. That's why I think because I I, I wanted to go back, but I still wanted to I wanted to be a part of the forward too. You know, get through forward, half forward, and you know, try and crack a line or two and, and get through as well. So that was, was my aim. I didn't want to be a deadbeat fullback who stayed at home all the time or a centre-half back who just had six possessions and, and had 13 spoils or something like that. I wanted to run off and, and I, I wanted to get some ball as well. You know, that was my uh, that was my theory. Get, get you know, get some touches and, and um, yeah, win the footy if I could too. I mean, a lot of those good players took you to the ball too. You know, I stood the Chris Grants and those type of blokes and the Stewie Lowe's. Well, you knew you were in the contest every time anyway because they just take you to the footy, those blokes, every time. So you're in the game all the time, which was great. I loved it. So, Of course, you were the first player the Crows played of 50 games and then you got injured, I reckon it was against Sydney on memory uh, in 93. Then you came back from injury in the finals and yep. I've always had the debate with you. I still think you had a very good prelim, a very good final prelim final against Essendon. Where you you've always been hard on yourself for that, and yeah. I still think yeah. you did a very good job on herd and and that. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, my first half was alright, but I mean, everyone's second half was. I can't watch it though. I mean, I yes. cannot sit and watch it. I mean, I, I mean, I had a. Well, I didn't play. I yeah, I broke my collarbone and I got myself back. Well, I wasn't. I can tell you now, I wasn't 100%. I, I struggled. I I played one, and then I came, and then I, I played Hawthorne late in the season, and then I missed another week because I got hurt. Gary Ayres ran into my shoulder like, again, and I, I felt like I'd broken again, and I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. And, and then I went back to Norwood and played, and um, played against South Adelaide at Footy Park and had a had a good game, like had a 35-touch game or 33-touch game, I think, and and then I went over to watch the Hawthorne final the next day as an emergency, and um, and then I didn't. And then they picked me the week after to play Carlton at, out at the Waverley, and we kicked eight goals twenty. Yeah. 
And, um, yeah, Mods kicked one goal, six, which never happened through the whole season. He wow. kicked, well, you know, 129 straight goals all season. And then that day he kicked about one, six or one, seven, I think. And we, um, we got done. We should have won that one, really. I felt like we had enough of the footy. Oh, and we I had, had a reason, lot of the ball. Reason to say that we had so much of it. And then, yeah. And we, and when, yeah, well, we played the best, probably half of footy we played for three years, you know, when we were at the Crows. That half was, you know, that was just fantastic footy, you know. It was, it was just a great vibe in the changing. And I, I honestly think we, um, we thought we were through. You know, we played yeah. a, our best footy in a half. We were unstoppable. You know, everything was just, you know, moving and we were kicking goals. And I mean, we were seven goals up at half time, and we went in and thought, well, I think we were playing the next week already, which yeah. was a bit early. Mm-hmm. Who, I think, sorry, Graham. Sorry, yeah, Graham tells me the story that he wish he would if he had half time again he would have changed it or he just went in I think he thought the same thing he thought he was he was he got ahead of himself too which we all did too it wasn't just his fault but he just said I got ahead of myself too I was thinking about next week and 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 didn't come in with a you know we must stick at our effort you know we're going you know we're going really well we do this and we and then and then as you know it was the Michael Long story after that after oh, half time he just he got them going and I mean and the way they went and we couldn't hold them like yeah. I mean, if Jars kicked that goal after yep. half time, maybe it, things might have changed. That would have been eight goals up. Early you know, third first quarter. two minutes yes. of the third quarter, he could have dropped. And he was only 10 out, you know. <sighs> and if he'd put that through, it would have been eight up. And that might have dropped their whole, you know, they might have dropped their bundle, you know, by then yep. and said it was too hard. But they found a way to get back. And I think we dropped it by 11 points in the end. So that was, yeah, I mean, that one that got away. That was a grand final that got away. That that was achievable, winning a grand final that year. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, we could have we could have beaten Carlton, so no Definitely. doubt about that. And and who who would you say in your AFL career was your your toughest opponent? No, oh, or best opponent a, you played against? Yeah, I mean, I stood all those bigger guys. I mean, like I said, Spalding. I mean, I even got to stand Lockett a couple of times, or a match and a half. And I stood Brereton, and and I stood Stewie Low. He was always difficult. You know, his hands and his marking ability was. I got Kerry early in his career, so he wasn't he wasn't quite there. I call it. He didn't have the work ethic when I stood him, so I didn't have too much trouble with him. But the next, I'm glad I wasn't there after '95 because that's when he really stamped his authority on AFL footy. He um, got himself going, but I stood him as a younger, bit immature, I think he was, and but he certainly became well. He, as we know, he was a great player. Mm-hmm. So, and I got and Chris Grant, I I, I rate him highly too. He was. A terrific player too, and and all that as well. So I got to stand a lot, but I, I don't know. They're all different. So and the famous the famous story all... rocket. Come on, let's let's uh, have your your side of it. The famous locket story, telling you, uh, oh. you know, go for it, rocket. <laughs> oh well, uh, it was just one of those. I mean, he he already kicked eight, I think it was, and it was halfway through the third quarter, and I think well, Danny Hughes had had a go, and he got hurt. I think Tony ran over him with a with a hip and shoulder and he was off he, he went off on a stretcher I think and then Nigel had a go and and then and then he, he got a couple kicked on him I think and so and then I got and then Trevor Jakes was heading my way and I've gone, Oh no, here we go. <laughs> here we go and Trevor goes, Yes, Rodney, you're going back on locket and I've gone, Oh, oh Trevor, no. Ouch. Trevor, no. And he goes and I so I went back there and, and I the first ball came in and you know, in the olden days, you used to grab their Guernsey so I could climb up his back a bit and um, and punch it away, you know, just to support yourself so you don't fall off him. Yep. Or So you grab their Guernsey and you keep them nice and close and you punch it away. And he just looked at me, stood at me and stared at me and said, oh, if, you're, if you ever hang on to my Guernsey again, you, you know what you know what happened to Danny Hughes? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, well, and he goes, well, he went off on a stretcher, didn't he, mate? That, that'll be you. That'll be you. That will be you in five minutes if uh, you're going to have my Guernsey. So, I, I think Lockett had told that to a few guys, <laughs> to be honest oh, with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I wasn't the only one. Yep. Well, what, we'll look what happened to poor old Peter Caven. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I stood off him and then, and, and um, yeah, tried. But he only kicked a couple on me. But then I got another go at him at Footy Park about, I don't know whether it was the same year or the year later, because we had a few out too. And, of course, Graham threw me the task to go back to full back on Tony as well. And, yeah, that was a tough gig. I mean, I um, I, I was well, um, well. I mean, I felt like I had a fair game, you know, and and I didn't know how many he kicked, but he kicked ten anyway, <laughs> and we still won. And we still won the game, 
but I, I felt like, oh, well, I had 20 possessions too. I thought I had a pretty, you know, pretty high, you know, took nine marks or something and thought, God, I didn't have a bad go, but I, I thought he might have kicked six, seven maybe, but then I looked up on the school, but then the game he's kicked 10. I've gone, oh, God, that deflated me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. To so that, he, that was just, I mean, they always look for him. He was, even if it was a 10 metre kick, he, and if he did, if they didn't kick it to him, whew, did they get told? That's how that's how much he drawed the ball. Yeah. You know, he was just he just drawed it to him and if they didn't kick it to him, who would they get that look? You know, that stare down like he had that he had that impact on, on their class as well. So And the frustration, yeah. Rod Rocket, when you ended up going back and forth with Nord and the bizarre yeah. night and it was actually the yeah, famous Gary McIntosh night against Central was at Footy Park where you sat on the bench the whole night. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. I I, I don't know, I yeah, I, 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 I don't know what Craigie was. I don't know whether he had the crows in the gun or I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I love Norwood Footy Club and I tried to keep telling that. But he'd want to meet with me every Friday night and talk to me about, you know, he was worried that I wasn't wasn't there for the right reasons. And I, I said to him, well, I'm not at the crows. I mean, this is the only other club I'd ever want to play for. I said, Norwood's my home, you know. But, but I sat on the bench, I reckon, for 10... Probably longer. I probably sat on the bench for fourteen weeks. I, I admit, uh, Rocket. That when, I admit when I did interview Craigie for you know, the article in my book on Craigie, I yep. I did well and truly make that point that yeah, Rocket was red and blue blooded. I said, Jesus, Craigie, that was bloody ridiculous. And it was interesting conversation. Look, he yeah he he did. You're right. He seemed convinced that Rowie was the one was the red and blue one. And, yeah, I, to this day, I vehemently disagree with Neil on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I do. Too. I was over ravish. Well, one week, I can tell you. Well, it happened about 13 weeks in a row. All, all the season, he put me on. He wouldn't put me on for the first half. But I, I'd have to sit there and bide my time. And every time at halftime, he'd say, right, I may not. Half or flat. I'll go, right, thanks, Neil. And away I go. And every week, I'd have 15-plus, like, it possessions every week, you know. I was, I was playing. I'd go on and I'd go on with the right attitude, and I, I was, and I kicked two or three every week. But and I thought, God, I was, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm, I'm not in bad touch, you know. I, honestly, thought, God, I'll start next week. Maynard, you're on the bench. Yeah, Righto, crazy. So I said, well, then after about six weeks, he rang me and said, on a Friday night after we'd spoken, he said, ah, right, made a decision, going to play in the reserves today. This is down at Glenelg. We're going to play in the reserves. And I've gone, what? He goes, oh, well, I'm just thinking that you need a full game and we're going to play in the reserves in the centre. I'm there going, oh, I didn't comment. I just said, righto, whatever. I said, what's the report time? Well, then I get an AM call back about an hour later. He goes, Perry's pulled out. You're you're in, in the league side. And I'm going, oh, beauty, I'm starting. No, you're on the bench. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> and I've gone... Oh, righto. And I went on and had 18 possessions that day too at the Bay. And Well, then it got towards the end of the season and the, and the finals. Well, then I, I was full, full noise. He said, right, you're starting. You know, it was about the 20th round. He said, right, you're starting. You ruck roving with McIntosh, you know, on a half or a flank. I was going, you beauty, you know. And we you know, we, we got to the prelim that year, but yeah, I got I got badly hurt in that game, in that prelim, and, and I struggled after... Half time, I think I had a corky that was as I probably wouldn't have played the next week anyway. I was that, I was bleeding that badly, and and, and big Matthew Promise tied on my toe. I broke my big toe. That's right. Wow. In the second quarter, I had to have injections in that at half time. I said, "Doctors, put put a needle in there, just give it and just numb it up so I can play." And but my corky certainly, I was I was pretty well buggered. I was struggling big time, and but yeah, I was yeah. But I don't think. I, don't, I know. I mean, Macca and I get on really well, but I, I think Macca thought I wasn't there for the right reasons as well. Until I started playing a few games and, you know, and gritting my teeth and digging in like I would for Norwood any any match. And I think he said he apologised to me about a few years later and said, "No, I know you were having a crack, and I, I apologise." And and it wasn't you were there for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. So I said, "Oh well, I'm, I'm just glad you know I was. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't want people to think I was there for." I didn't want to be at Norwood because Norwood was my club. I said, I I love the Norwood footy club. Right, mate. Yeah. Oh, look, I can I, remember you and I having a beer together that night discussing the future and 
Yeah, yeah. I do remember that very vividly. Of course, I used to spend a bit of time at your place, and Cheryl may have said on a few occasions, "Hadn't didn't I have a home to go to?" And I said, oh, "I'm quite happy here, thanks." <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I yeah, probably I'll wasn't talk- her favourite person there for a while, mate. Oh, well, mate, she knew how I love talking football anyway. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, she's had to live it with her. We live it with her whole life, but she's she's enjoyed every minute of it because I got to meet so many people, and she's been on my side. And I get she gets she's had some good, some terrific times as well. Don't you worry. Like she says, she gets mad with me talking footy, but I mean, she loves coming and and meeting people as well. So yeah, she's enjoyed that side of it. So uh, obviously, after leaving uh, the AFL and 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 Norwood, you head back home to Lamaroo. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, and I and I underneath, I couldn't wait because I mean, I think, I mean, Norwood and that, I would have loved. I mean, I nearly stayed for another year under Peter Road. I, 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 I nearly did, but I, I, I said I wanted to make the commitment back to the farm because Bretton and Dad were buying more land, and I said I always wanted to come home, and there was property, you know, corresponding with our next to our property, you know, and and we were it was silly not to buy them at the time because we wanted to get bigger, and so I said, no, no, I was ready for home, but. I, and, but then um, I think Colin is it Colin Rickus? It was either president. Um, is it Colin or Norwood president? Yeah, Rick, Colin, um, Rick, Rickus was it? Yeah. Rickus. Um, That's annoying me now. I feel terrible, Rocket. Yeah, keep, I do. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. He um, he came as president, and drove up and saw me, and he said, "I'll come up and get you every week. I'll come and drive you there." Because I said, "I, oh, you know, I did a lot of driving in my time. I don't really want to start driving." He said, "I'll come and get you." We'll fly you down some weeks. It'll be all right. We'll get you there. You know, just play another season for us. You know, and I'm like, oh, but I did. I didn't in the end, and I, I probably ruined it. I wish I stayed another year yeah. or two because, yeah, I wish I did. But because I think Peter Rode not well, I got on really well. He came and saw me as well and wanted me to play, and I got on with him really well too. And, and I do now. You know, I met him a couple of times again, and we we do get on. Well, I wish John wish I John Rickus. Yep. John Rickus, that's yes. it. Yep. And um, yeah, so but I didn't in the end. But I I. Underneath, I wanted to come home and play with Breton, and 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 I had a lot of mates here that that were farmers, and that I left twelve years prior and hadn't played with them, and and some really good mates that I still were involved with because I was still living at home a lot, especially at Norwood. And then when I went to Adelaide to live for five years, well, I still come home and see them and watch games, and and I, I was just looking forward to playing with some old mates and my my local club, and I. I'm glad I did make the decision. I I loved it. I enjoyed it, and we won a flag the first year, which was because I was driving the women. That won two already, and I and I I kind of think I got them up again because I was that keen. They kind of said, oh, "It's only a grand final." I'm there going, "Well, hey, hi, mate, I haven't won one for ten years. Like, you know, I'm I'm ready." <laughs> like, yeah. So I pushed hard, and and um, we got there, and. We won quite a few in that that first five or six year period that I was home. I think we won five out of seven or something. I think or five only, out of. So you played two hundred and six games for Lamarie. You know, which is incredible. You've played well over. It's nearly four hundred and fifty senior games in the end, effectively. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably played a lot more than that too, with trial games and, and escort cup games that they didn't count, and and a lot of other and and then all my association games and state country. That's not included in all them either. So, so six six, six male, male medals. medals. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Brenton yeah, as well. I yeah, I mean, like, I was lucky. Brenton kind of he was older and he was he won the well was it with the Maynards hogged it for a while there. He won the four before I came home and then I won six after I was home and so we kind of hogged the show for a while. Put but, a mortgage uh, on it. Yeah, we did. And um, yeah, oh, I was lucky. I mean, I I came home. Bit, you know, I've never been as fit as I was, and I came home and playing against you know footballers of the caliber of most of the AFL footballers. You come home with you know you're a stronger vibe. You know you feel like you're stronger and and fitter, and you know you're hungrier, and yeah. So that that helped. I mean, the first four or five years, I was still, you know, I was only thirty when I came home. I was only thirty. You know, I was in my prime. Really, I felt like you learn a lot about the game and. You know, and and all that. I wasn't ready to coach straight away. I wanted to just come home and play and just enjoy it again. You know, so Rocket, let's go back to on your running side of things. Is it true that or myth that you actually got banned by the Crows at one stage from running because your body fat ratio had started to get too low? It was. I lost a lot of weight. I was down to eighty three or eighty four, and I should have been up around the eighty eight to ninety. And I just got myself extremely fit and healthy and. And I got myself a bit light, but I was still fit. I wasn't unwell or anything. I, but they just, yeah, they told me I 
I was just well, I was working hard too at Wixies in the summertime there at pre-season. I was out in the sun and and shoveling, you know, digging trenches and and all that as well. So I mean, it wasn't easy to put on weight out there either, you know. So they made me stop working there as well because I went back and worked for Wixie for a couple of years, you know, my mate, and that when I was at the Crows because I painted for the first couple of years with Roger and Rowie, and then I went and worked with Wixie just for a change, and then. And they, they more or less told me I wasn't allowed to work out there anymore because I was working too hard and I was coming to training too tired and, and flat. And, and that, well, I did some days. I was knackered because we were digging and, and I was a farmer. I just used to work and, and all that. But it was taking its toll on and training as well and, and my footy a bit, I think. But, and like I said, I couldn't put on, seem to put on any power, you know, power weight and that. So I did get myself probably too fit. Well, I just become a running machine. That's what I become I was swerdy and me and Liptak and that we were just you know any excuse we'd get we'd run you know but we were fit you know we'd there's still marks on paying them over from you from all your running you did there yeah, mate I, yeah. I joined you occasionally but I certainly never kept up with you for too long that's what no, all those wear no. marks are <laughs> no I loved it I, st- I, I did it for a lot when I came home to I only just stopped when I was 50 I used to run right up until I was about 50 and the last five years I've probably slowed up a bit and I do a lot more walking nowadays but in those first few years, I used to run into Lamaroo. My farm was 17 k's out, and I used to run to Lamaroo, you wow. know. And sure, I'd work, you know, I'd, I'd knock off and run in at four o'clock, take me an hour and 20 or something, and then I'd run and go home with her then, you know, to keep myself fit and that as well. Wow. So, and, and obviously, I, I, um, at the moment, mate, um, the uh, La- uh, Mallee League, uh, unfortunately, has. Um, Cease to exist. Yeah, well, it's in the process. Um, yeah, it's um, it, it's all happening now. I mean, we've just got to be accepted by the River Murray and and Mincaroonda, and well, as you know, Borders left us in the lurch. Well, left us about you know they were on the move about oh, three four months ago. They said they were going to quit the league, and um, that kind of put pressure on us. And then, well, we thought we were going to go in with the five teams competition then with Caroonda and and Peak and Lamaru Pinnery Marvel, but then. Karunda came to us, oh, it was just after the grand final, and said, well, realistically, we feel like we cannot get a side on the park next year with volunteers and numbers and all that. We're done, I think. There'll be no 2023 for the Karunda Footy Club. So it all started a process, and we thought, well, hell. And then they'd obviously spoken to Peak, and then it all evolved from there. And, and then they said they were going to... So we were left down to three teams, which wasn't going to work here. Like, I mean... Wow. Marvel, Pinaroo, Lamaroo. So we jumped on and spoke to Pinaroo and said, well, we better get something moving here. We we better talk and, and get things moving if we're going to decide to um, merge and, and go together and, and move on. And then Marvel decided, well, they were going to go into the Murray Valley, Murray Valley Footy League, which is the independent league. So, no, we're in the process of now getting our colours and, and getting accepted into the River Murray, which will make their team a 19 competition with 18, with not with uh, 16 rounds, so you'll play each side twice, and then you'll have there's a buyers involved as well, and then there'll be um, so it'll be a 19 week competition over with those nine teams, and um, yeah, so that's what it'll be. But we haven't been accepted yet, but it's all yes, NFL won't not let it happen. And, and our merge was we thought we'd go to the Riverland because we had access from Alawoon up through there, and Pinaru had access that way. But the vibe in our community was to go to the west, which was to the River Murray, because then they could push on to Adelaide. A lot of kids at colleges, at school, and, and they could shop yep. and go back home and, and, and all that. So the vibe, well, 70 80% of the vibe was to go that way. So we've that's where we're going to apply for. So the Riverland won't get our company. We've, it'll go to the River Murray. So and Pinner and us are in the process now to getting our name, colours, and I'm on the recruiting. We're getting all our recruiting. I'm just about to speak to Nick Hyde. He rang me before. I meant to ring him back in a minute. And he's um, we're in re- busily recruiting some players at this stage to come back and Represent whatever we call. I mean, my the Maynard my, Menzel Football Club. <laughs> sorry, no, the, the Maynard Southern, Menzel Football Club. I would have thought. Yeah, Southern Mallee Giants. How's that sound? Yeah, it sounds yeah. okay. There was a yeah. little post uh, going around online. The the Mallee Bulls. Yeah, well, the Mallee, but we don't know what Karunda and um, Karunda and Peak are going to do yet. So we just got to probably find out a little bit of information what what they're heading to, and then we. But we were talking, if we went to the Giants, we could use the GWS Guernseys because there's no one in the River Murray that way. That's what I'm thinking anyway. But they, that makes sense. They, they might, the survey might show other colours and different names and all that, but they had it out there the other night and we, 
Cheryl and I said the Southern Mally Giants, and I thought the GWS colours are pretty good, and, and they're you know easily off the shelf. You know your orange scarves and your, you know and, and all that stuff. It's the memorabilia. You can get it a bit easy if you go and have a club that you you know yeah. that's in the NHL or something. So and, and it'd work in the River Murray, but that might change because I mean I'm only one voice. So yeah. Rodney, one more serious question about the whole country sporting side of things, not just footy. As we know, country, you know, populations decreasing in the country, you know, machinery taking places, jobs, all that. And I just don't think the AFL, etc., realise just how vital sport is to a country community. Basically, you know, if a person doesn't get involved in sport in the country, eventually ostracised and they don't become a member of the community and the whole mental health side of things and that I just think is being grossly underestimated at yeah. AFL, government level and all that, just how important sport is. And yeah, I, I certainly don't know a solution, but I just I just can't believe that there's not more support being given overall to country sports. I'm not just talking oh, footy. They took their grassroots footy and all this and the AFL get heaps of money and put it back into the country. Well, I mean, our sports, summer sports here are shot, like our cricket team. We have not got a cricket team in Lamarine now. We've barely have a tennis team and we and now we won't have any footy really well we have footy here four weeks of the year and four at peak but foot, there's just sport here i mean and we need it and in, yeah. i mean i don't need to talk about this out of regard but it's just mental health too people love socializing and getting out and talking about their, you know, their farming and, and and it's so important for country people to get out i mean if we all stayed home and worked every week we'll there's going to be a lot more. There's going to be a lot of trouble, I feel. But I mean, summer sports tough. I mean, we just haven't got any commitment here anymore. That we haven't got the numbers. I mean, I was playing my under sixteen Colts team this year, senior Colts. I only had six regulars, so we were playing these combined games. You know, against you know with Peak and Lamaru combined against yeah. Karunda and Borders and 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 Border Downstairs things like that to try and get sixteen or eighteen on a foot field so they'd have a competitive game. I mean, that was working ironically, but. The parents, that's the main key why we're changing our league too is because we're merging with another league is because we've got no juniors. And, yeah. I mean, parents are worried about the kids not getting good enough and enough footy. So, And I can understand that immensely because if I was there playing and playing six a side or seven a side, well, it just feels like they're not going to get any better. And they want to go to a league where there's numbers and, you know, where they can get better and, and play. So that's our biggest issue here is our juniors. Our senior footy was going along all right, but... It was our under-16 level that was uh, depleted. And, and, and as I said before, you know, I just think we need footy in country in country towns because Massively. it's going to quieten up our town, you know. if we, It's even going to make it, when we go to the River Murray, I mean, you know, we do come back here, like I said, a few weeks and that, but the town is going to quieten down and get quieter. I mean, yeah. And it's just not the numbers around now. I can't believe that there's just no senior cults. There's the juniors, you know, they're playing with 12 or 13, you know. We just can't feel way in the sides. Not like Scary. 10, 15 years ago. It's, and cricket, tennis, they're all, it's all, even golf, you go and play golf, there's only, you know, you might get 16 out for the Saturday. And it's not great. I mean, yeah, sport in the country is depleted completely. And I mean, football, yeah, I just think that, I mean, the AFL could have did more, but I don't know, what can you do more about numbers? So yeah. That's, it's my biggest question. So, yeah. yeah. Certainly no obvious solution. No, there's not. No, no, no. There's, I mean, we can bitch and holler about them and, and yeah, but if, if there's no numbers, you can't do anything without numbers, can you? So, I mean, we'll just have to move on and hopefully it makes it better for the kids down at, in the River Murray and we can get 16 or, you know, 15 or 16 on the side, you know, if we can, because there'll be three juniors down there, under 18, 15s and 13s, I think it is, or something. I'm, I'm not sure what they've come up with. They used to have four, but it's going to go back to three, I think, so because of numbers and that. In, and, and they're having trouble in the River Murray too. They can't feel full sides either. So it's not just us out no. here, you know, 200 kilometres away. It's teams that it's towns that are 100 kilometres away from Adelaide as well. It's happening everywhere. Yeah, Rocket, as you and yeah, you and I and that have always loved to chat about footy and uh, yeah, yeah. Look, Hall of member of the South Australian Footy Hall of Fame, Nord Hall of Fame. You know, being there the night when you were inducted in the Nord Hall of Fame, yep. obviously you know how much. Nord Footy Club, etc., and, and the yep. Crows, and that mean to you. Greatly privileged having you aboard tonight, Rock. 
No worries. No, thanks, guys. Love to have a chat. You know that. Love to talk footy. <laughs> Thank you, Rocket. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to go down memory lane with you and and, and discuss a few things, obviously, uh, about you personally. But, yeah, we, we really wanted to touch base about the Mallee League and we're sorry to see that, that that country sport is just struggling a little bit at the moment. Thanks, That's Rocket. Right. Oh, we'll be going down to Murray Bridge and, and giving it all we got. We're going to make sure we, we're not making up the numbers. We'll be we'll be taking it pretty seriously and knocking a few doors down if we can. So, no, thanks, you guys. That's great. So thanks, Rocket. Talk. Look forward to catching up in the footy season, mate. See you, mate. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate and subscribe. Days. Welcome back. Happy days, Malcolm. Uh, Charlie Parker. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Charlie Parkside. Yes, great, great. Charlie had a kick and a catch at Adelaide Uni. Top bloke. Great family. The Parkers. So, uh, son of Stephen Skittle Parker. Always love stirring. Yeah, he stood Neville Roberts in '82, and we do point out the fact, though, that the great man Rocky kicked more goals on Peter Motley than he did on Stephen Parker. Yep, pick 17 in the rookie draft in 2021, coming from Sturt, talented cricketer as well. Yes, yeah, he is actually a very good cricketer as well. Look, unfortunately, he had a fair few injuries last year. Look, I really hope he gets another year at Western Bulldogs. Not confirmed yet either way. Just desperately hope he does because yeah, he's got a bit to offer. Could he be a good addition to the Crows report? I think so. Yep. Let's just say there may have been frustration that he wasn't there. Uh, 1982, happy birthday, Ian Thorpe. Arguably our greatest ever swimmer, yep. you know, stats-wise and all that. He certainly always delivered in the crunch. How many times did he come home in that last lap in relays? And just look, He's one of the all-time greats. Yep. 1969, happy birthday to Nancy Kerrigan. Uh, it's a very, very interesting topic. Yes, we're back on almost the same topic, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yes. Yes, uh, cut down by her opponent. Yes, uh, different to say the least. Yep, bronze in '92, uh, silver in '94, um, before being attacked in '94 by Tonya Harding's ex bodyguard. Yeah. Bizarre story. Yeah, bizarre is a word. Absolutely. And to finish off on this day, Michael Schumacher wins the season-ending Formula One Grand Prix in Japan. Eleven victories for the year, uh, and his third drivers' championship. He's one of the all-time greats as well. Absolutely. Yeah, great driver. In that glory, in that glory time of Prost and Lauder, etc., you know, one of the all-time greats, and and a real loss to the sport as yeah. well. Extra time, big finish. Today's big finish. We might just put on hold. Rocket's interview went just a little bit longer than we'd anticipated, but uh, it was certainly great to uh, to hear from him. We had planned on doing a bit of an AFLW quiz. We might hold that over to next week. Also, Bathurst holds the last victory as well, and Daniel Ricciardo. So we might just chuck that in next week's episode and talk about that when we've got a little bit more time. Thank you, Malcolm. Once again, we uh, we certainly promised to do better. And we will see you next week. If you haven't liked, rate, rated or subscribed, please do so. Our Facebook page, Sportscast SA, has had a big uplift in likes. And we'd like to continue to see that grow. So thank you very much, Malcolm. Thank you to everybody. And we'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, guys. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.